The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Albert Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 1067. Beautiful day, gorgeous day here in Auburn, Opelika. It's not as hot as it has been, right? It's a little manageable today I think is a great way to put it um you know you can actually go outside get in the car and not want to die when you do so uh when you just uh, of heat and just sweat and just nastiness um it's actually a nice day out today so try and get out and about and do something outside it's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area but hope you're all doing well uh it's Wednesday so it is a busy time around here uh on this show it is busy on Wednesdays We've got Auburn practice to talk about. Uh, they had a practice yesterday evening. Uh, it was after you know after my show, and uh, it was in the like I said afternoon evening. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, plus, it is Wednesday, so Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven will join us to talk about Georgia and, and get us some updates on uh, what's going on right now in Athens as we get closer and closer to the start of the Georgia season. Then, coming up in hour number two, uh, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us to give us updates from Tuscaloosa and tell us what's going on with Nick Saban and Alabama. I believe Nick Saban had a press conference yesterday, uh, so we'll get Austin's notes and takeaways from that as well. Uh, So we'll talk about Auburn, and then we'll have our guests talk about Auburn's biggest rivals as we get closer, as we progress through fall practice and get closer to the start of the season. All three of those teams kick off in 17 days. That's right, 17 days away from the start of Auburn football, majority of SEC football, and majority of college football. Even closer than that from college football in general with Week 0. So, very excited uh, for that and to start talking about that next week as we get closer to uh, the start of Auburn getting underway in 2023. So as I mentioned, Auburn had practice yesterday. We'll talk about that. There's some interesting notes that I want to go over. And of course, as always, I want to hear from you. The phone lines are open outside of our guests. So uh, if you have something you want to say, uh, something you want to ask, a conversation that you want to chime in on with me, I'd love to hear from you on a Wednesday afternoon. And the phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. 90 is the number to get you through to me 334-321-1390 uh, your thoughts on any of the notes from practice yesterday maybe that you've heard already uh, that you've read already um, if you have anything that you want to contribute to the conversation I'd love to hear from you um, 
as we get closer to each of our guests, if there's a certain question uh, that you want me to ask our our guest, Jordan Hill, uh, for Georgia and Austin Hannon for Alabama, give me a call and I'll write it down and make sure that I get it in there for you uh, as long as we have enough time. So if there's something in particular that you're looking for uh, an answer to when it comes to Georgia or Alabama, let me know and I'll try my best to ask those questions when we have those guests on the show today. Um, so again, phone lines are open. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Practice yesterday for Auburn. It was practice number 10. Uh, it is getting closer and closer uh, to a fall camp, I guess, really being over and fall practice and just regular season practice beginning. Uh, no practice today for Auburn. Uh, it is the first day of class over at the university. So uh, all the students are back in town. Uh, if you're driving around town today, you know that it is busy, busy, busy. Once again, summer is officially over and the fall May, might, may not feel like fall outside, but according to the calendars, the fall has arrived. And so uh, no practice today uh, for Auburn football with the, with the guys going back to class for the first day. Uh, I've seen a bunch of pictures and videos of everybody going back, and uh, uh, it's crazy to, to think it's, I'm not there. I mean, I wasn't there this time last year. It's been a year since I've graduated, but it just seems like yesterday I was going and going to first day of class again. So uh, good luck to all the students out there, by the way, who are restarting and getting going again for the fall semester. That goes for college, high school, and everything in between. I mean, and everything below that as well. So good luck to all the students getting started uh, for this next school year. But as I mentioned, no practice today for Auburn. They did not practice last night. And uh, the media had, uh, again, a short window uh, of a viewing period for practice yesterday. And there were some interesting notes to come out from that, interesting observations that we had uh, from that practice. And it always starts with the quarterbacks, right? That's where it always starts. That's how it always starts. Because that's what people want to know. Because coming out of Saturday, there are still question marks when it comes to the quarterback room, right? We've discussed, just as everybody else has in town, about how Saturday for the quarterbacks, the other two quarterbacks, Robbie Ashford, Holden Garner, had great days. And the mentality and the message and the tone was that Peyton Thorne didn't have a good day. Now, I don't believe that to be the case. I just think he had an average day. And we've seen the notes about a couple of of passes that should have been touchdowns that were dropped, uh, that were ruled incomplete. Uh, Different situations to where Peyton Thorne, no, he didn't have an explosive day like the other two, but that doesn't mean he had a terrible day. And I think I made that statement earlier in the week of, it's okay. Like Just because we're not raving about him coming out of Saturday's scrimmage doesn't mean he had a terrible day and he's not worthy and he's not in the race anymore. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means the other two had a great day. But here's what's interesting. Practice yesterday. There seemed to be a clear separation, division, whatever word you want to put in there. Holden Garner was off on his own practicing with the third-team offense, and Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford were practicing with the ones and twos on the other end of the field. So take that and think about that for a second. Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford 
were practicing and doing different rotations with ones and twos, and Holden was off on his own doing stuff with their team. Did that mean anything? I think so. But again, they allow, they, we see what they want us to see. But I think that's a pretty good piece of evidence on where this thing is headed. Because, remember, Hugh Freeze has talked about by practice 10, which was yesterday, he wanted the quarterback race to be down to two. Now, coming out of the scrimmage, did that mindset change? Maybe, maybe not. We don't fully know. But yesterday, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford were practicing and ruining rotations with the ones and twos. And I think that's where it stands. I really do. Do I think this has anything to do with Holden Gurner maybe having a bad practice Monday, Tuesday? I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying, why would he be with the threes? I think it's because he's the young guy. He's the young guy. He's shown he can compete. He's shown he can play. But what is his playbook knowledge, right? What is his mentality like? What's his maturity like right now? Those are things that we don't know because we're not in the locker room. We're not in practice all the time. We're not in coach's office, right? We don't know those things. And so it's expected for him to be third string right now. But credit to him because he has competed his rear end off this fall. He has. He absolutely has. So credit to him. But it seems like it is Peyton Thorne. It is down to Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. And the times that I've seen Peyton Thorne actually throw and play, he looks good. And we know he's good. We know Peyton Thorne is a good quarterback. And how many times have, have I said it or other media members said it or even you, the listener, said it on my show and other shows? You don't go get a guy like that if you don't plan on him being the starter. And I've compared this to the Zach Calzada situation last year. It's completely different. It's completely different. Calzada was hurt. Calzada was limited. Nothing like that's going on with Peyton Thorne. And so that was an interesting note yesterday that while Hugh Freeze may not have come out and said it yet, it seems like one and two is Robbie Ashford, Peyton Thorne, whatever order they want it to be. Seems like this quarterback race has been trimmed down to two. And again, it's not surprising that it's those two. But it is good to know that we're getting down to a decision. Who's the best option? I think you know my answer. I think most Auburn fans are in the same boat. But I'm curious on what you have to say. At this point, you the fan, you the listener right now, UMass, game one, 17 days away. Who do you want walking out on the field with the offense? 334-321-1390. Do you want Peyton Thorne or do you want Robbie Ashford? Who gives you more confidence in your mind? Who gives Auburn the best chance to win a football game? Based off of what we've seen in the past, based off of what we've seen so far in practice, and what you've heard folks like me talk about. Who do you want? as the starting quarterback because we talk a lot about Peyton Thorne and we know there's some really hard Robbie Ashford defenders out there and I'm not saying anything wrong with that by any means I'm I'm just curious on the split of the fan base I think it's going to be Peyton Thorne heavy on who the fans want but I'm curious on the actual split and what it is
Other notes from practice yesterday, other than what seemed to be a separation at the quarterback spot, the receivers are still a work in progress. We know there's some injuries. We know there's some guys banged up. Um, We know that this is still not where it needs to be when it comes to the wide receiver room. But it's interesting because Marcus Davis talked about how he fully plans on making and using almost every, if not every, receiver in the room in some way, shape, or form and making them a part of the offense somehow and using them at some point during the season. And I think that is a unique approach. And I think it's an approach you have to take right now for Auburn when you're looking at this wide receiver room because you don't have the answer yet. You don't have that guy yet. There's some really, really good talent in this room. But nobody, and I mean nobody, has separated themselves to be that guy just yet. It'll happen. It always happens. There will be a guy halfway through the year, whether it be against Georgia or against LSU or one of the Mississippi schools where one guy starts to separate himself. And you're like, okay, when you need a third down and six or you need a goal line touchdown, who do you throw it to? And I think Auburn will have that guy. But what excites me about this wide receiver room, and I've talked about this before, what excites me is the fact that I think you can have multiple. I think you can have two, three, four difference makers and playmakers in the wide receiver room they're in there right now they're in the room right now I'm telling you they just got to find it right they got to figure it out and maybe maybe it takes a game or some actual game action for that to happen maybe there's a guy that when the lights are on they just perform above and beyond I don't know there's a lot of new faces in there that's a whole new system right a new quarterback a new offensive playbook a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, new everything. And so maybe it takes actual game experience for the receivers to step up and take that next step. They've improved throughout the spring. Anybody you talk to will say that. Everybody has improved. But the comments yesterday from Marcus Davis talking about how most, if not all, of the receivers will be utilized at some point and in some way, shape, or form coming up this fall. And I think that's a great idea. With a wide receiver room that's as deep as it is right now, and yes, I said that, the wide receiver room is deep, very deep. You have that luxury. And Auburn has not had that, folks. Auburn has not had that. And so use it to your advantage. Don't limit yourself to one guy, even if he does separate, right? Don't don't limit yourself if it is ended up being Camden Brown, right? Don't just go to him all the time, because what if somebody like Jay Fair steps up? What if somebody like Nick Mardner, who he's listed at 6'6", I think, but he looks like he's 6'10". He's tall, he's scrawny, and he can go up and get a ball. What if he elevates and becomes a stud in the passing game, which I think he will. Don't forget about your seniors, Shane Hooks, Jair Shorter. You've got guys in there. I've heard a lot of good things about Amari Kelly. 
I've heard a lot of good things about him and how he could be utilized in multiple different ways, maybe not just as a straight-up wide receiver. So keep that in mind as well. You also have Caleb Burton, the Ohio State transfer. We've heard great things about him this fall. Auburn has a chance to utilize this receiver room better than it has in years and use so many different guys to be successful. And think about how hard, think about this from a defensive perspective, right, before we get to break. If you're a defense and you're a defensive coordinator and you're coming into a game against a football team like Auburn this season, let's say, and instead of, okay, we know... We know that this guy and this guy are the two that catch balls. They are the ones that we have to stop. If we can shut them down, they can't throw the football. And they're not going to be able to do anything in the passing game. But then think about it on the flip side. If you come into a game and it's like, yeah, there's a possibility that there's eight or nine guys on this team that have caught passes this year, that have touchdowns this year, that have big plays this year, that have caught balls in big moments this year. Think about how much more difficult that is to defend. Think about how much more difficult that is to prepare for. If you have to prepare for anywhere from five to ten guys who are threats anytime they step on the field at the wide receiver spot, that doesn't even include the tight ends that I think are going to be a threat this year. Doesn't even include them, so throw that into the mix. Think about how hard for a defense and a defensive staff to prepare for that. And it sounds like, from what we've seen and what the coaches have told us, that's the plan. And you know what? It should be the plan. It absolutely should be the plan because the talent is there. The skill is there. Auburn's just got to keep hitting on it a little bit until they can tap into it because it's going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. And again, I think you have the quarterback to do it I think you have the offensive minds to do it and maybe just maybe Auburn will have first round wide receivers maybe Auburn will have all SEC receivers and I said that plural it's about time they get back to where they belong when it comes to having legitimate threats at the wide receiver spot We'll talk some more about fall practice uh, when we come back. Talk about the the running backs who continue to get praise. Plus, uh, ESPN released their top 100 college football players. I'll tell you how many Auburn players made the list and if we agree with it or not. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. We'll talk about all of that when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067. This is the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us. That is the Georgia uh, 24-7 site. Uh, he is uh, our Georgia guy, joins us every single week, and so excited to uh, get him on the phone in just a few minutes and talk all things Georgia football as we get closer to the season. And one thing we're going to talk to him about uh, is the fact that ESPN uh, released their 
top 100 players in college football for 2023. Okay, this is the top 100 players in 2023 for college football. And uh, we're going to talk to Jordan about this a little bit because, uh, shocker, I know, but Georgia has quite a few guys on here, including the number two player overall in Brock Bowers, the tight end for the Bulldogs. They've got, they have Brock Bowers on there for Georgia. Uh, they have, uh, they've got, I mean, they have a ton. They have Michael Williams, the defensive end for Georgia, uh, that he is a top 10 player. So two in the top 10 uh, for for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, tons of SEC guys in here. And so uh, Alabama has a few guys that make an appearance as well. And we will talk with uh, Austin Hannon of Bama Central on hour number two. We'll get his thoughts on some of this as well. But if you haven't seen this list yet, I want to ask you, the listener, before I give you the answer, see if anybody knows it. Okay? ESPN released this list. Uh, this was yesterday. Okay, so this came out yesterday morning. So it's been out uh, a little less than two days. How many Auburn players made the top 100 list of college football players in 2023? Do you know? Does anybody know the answer before I give it away? I'd love to hear if anybody knows. If you haven't looked at it yet and take a guess, 334-321-1390. How many players from Auburn's current roster – in 2023, made the top 100 players in college football for 2023. How many do you think made it? I'm interested to see what you think. Here's the top 10 real quick before I give you the answer. Caleb Williams from USC, the quarterback, of course. Brock Bowers, I gave you that one, the tight end from Georgia. Marvin Harrison Jr. for for Ohio State, the wide receiver, who is the best wide receiver in all of college football. I expect him to have a massive day once or massive year once again. Harold Perkins Jr., uh, the breakout linebacker from LSU from a year ago. Drake May, the quarterback from North Carolina. We know what his talents are. Uh, we know that there was a lot of um, speculation on if he was going to remain at North Carolina or transfer somewhere else. Uh, there was some rumors uh, for a, a short amount of time that Maybe Alabama was trying to go after him, and, and it obviously nothing came about it, and he will remain with the Tar Heels. We have Michael Penix Jr., the just electric quarterback from Washington, uh, his senior season, so uh, coming up for that. Had 31 touchdowns, 4,600 yards last year, uh, so he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, especially in the Pac-12. Him and, and Bo Nix, I think, are two of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan at number seven. Jordan Travis, the quarterback at Florida State, number eight. A little high for me just because, um, look, he had 32 touchdowns last year, was a great, great player. Is he top 10 in college football yet? I don't think so. Not saying he can't get there, but I don't think he's there quite yet in my opinion. We have Jared Verse, uh, the defensive line from Florida State, and as I mentioned, Michael Williams, the defensive end from Georgia in the top 10. But I asked you this question. How many players on Auburn's roster, current roster right now, 2023, made the top 100 players in college football? You know the answer? Zero. Not a single player from Auburn's roster is in this top 100 list of Top college football players in 2023. Not one. Zero. Not a single player. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I'm not looking at this 
from orange and blue glasses, as people like to say. I'm not looking at this through uh, the lens of somebody that talks about Auburn every single day. Well, actually, actually, I am. I am talking about this from somebody that talks about Auburn football every single day. You cannot convince me that Jarquez Hunter is not a top 100 player in college football. You cannot convince me that DJ James is not a top 100 player in college football. And I'll be really honest. I don't know if you could convince me that Peyton Thorne is not a top 100 player in college football. Not to mention some of the other guys on the defensive side of the football. Not to mention some of the other running backs that know they haven't proven it yet, but they're going to. And I know you can't list them because they haven't done a whole lot. I'm looking at Damari Alston. But Jarquez Hunter and DJ James, those are top 100 players in college football. I don't care what anybody says. So the fact that they didn't make the list, unbelievable. Unacceptable, really, if you ask me. We'll talk about the Georgia players that made the top 100 list, plus notes from practice as Georgia gets closer and closer to the start of their football season as well. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us when we come back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're halfway through the first hour here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line and a guy that joins us every single Wednesday at 2.30. He covers Georgia better than anybody. It's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We're 17 days away from the start of the Georgia football season. Uh, Jordan, I know it's a busy time as always, brother. We appreciate you hopping on the show. Yeah, absolutely, and like you said, 17 days to go. Uh, it's been fun on the message board seeing everybody uh, post uh, the countdown, You know, watching old highlights of uh, guys who wore whatever number it is till uh, days to go. So uh, everybody's ready. Everybody's just ready for football. The players are ready. The coaches are ready, and I know uh, we in the media are ready as well to get this thing underway. Well, you talk about the message boards, and I think that's a great place to start before we actually talk about the team and, and what you've seen over the past week and what you've been told and, and heard over the past week since the last time we talked to you. What are the Georgia fans saying about this 2023 season? We're less than three weeks away, coming off a back-to-back national championship. There's some battles going on in Athens right now, maybe some question marks as well. So what are the Georgia fans saying right now as we're less than three weeks away? Well, I think there's an excitement. I think that they understand that uh, Georgia's got a chance at real history here. You know, having a, a real opportunity to go back to back to back would be the first college football program to do that since Minnesota from 34 to 36. Uh, I think there's excitement, too, just to get this season underway, especially when you get this close. You know, we're about halfway through fall camp. You know, there's only so many stories I can write about how excited the receivers are or how the O-line's looking. Uh, we're close to getting this thing underway. And I really think at this point, uh, the biggest questions would probably just be running back for the fans, you know, for everybody on the junkyard there at Dogs 24-7. Uh, they've had some guys banged up. We know Kendall Milton is not 100%. Branson Robinson's working his way back. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've got a lot of options behind those guys, uh, some guys they know need to step up. And I think there's still a cautious optimism among fans 
uh, knowing that they've got other running backs in the room and uh, that they can count on those guys to step up. Is it a is it a fair expectation? And I'm sure Georgia fans are wanting this, as every other college football fan does. But is it a fair expectation to want the three peat and to be the a dominant force in college football and what would be the third straight national championship if they were to do it in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think it's comparable to what it would be like in, in the Alabama fan base. I mean, that's just sort of where expectations sit. You know, I think uh, fair or not that if Georgia doesn't win the championship this year that some fans will see it as a disappointment and and that's pretty hard because I mean even if you make the playoff even if you win 10 11 12 games still a very successful season Um, but that's sort of what you're working with when you've had the success Georgia's had these last few years I mean when Kirby Smart has put this program where it is you raise the bar and I I know for a fact if there's a loss this year that fans are not going to be happy and uh, those are extremely high expectations, especially when you consider what they lost from last year's team. Having 10 guys drafted, a lot of uh, big-time contributors, proven contributors that are gone. Uh, but that's just sort of the nature of college football and, and the nature of when you win like Georgia has. Um, if you don't win at all, there are like you missed out. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us on the phone lines. Uh, Jordan, I know that uh, Kirby Smart may not be as lenient and as flexible with the media watching practice as Hugh Freeze has been, and we're very thankful for that here in Auburn. But in the limited time that you've gotten to see this team since the last time we talked to you, any changes, anything noticeable that our listeners here in Auburn may uh, may want to hear about? I think the biggest thing is trying to get guys back healthy. I mean, there's been a question about the last week or so about Kamari Laster, who is the returning starting corner. Uh, you know, Keely Ringo moved on uh, to the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, you know, Kamari, we didn't see him at the la- last week when we had a viewing period, um, but we had a chance to watch them on Tuesday. He was back. He was in a black non-contact jersey, so they're kind of easing him back. Um, but he uh, was able to go. He was going through individual drills, which I think is a very good sign for Georgia. You know, they're still really watching to see who is going to win uh, the job opposite of Kamari, which is, sort of feels like a three-man battle. Um, but he, uh, you know, to have Kamari back, that's a good sign, especially when you consider the start of the year. They should be okay as far as not having to rush people um, back from injury because they've got a few easy games to get the season underway. Um, but getting Kamari back there was a, a very good news, and it kind of adds to what's been some good developments on the injury front. Branson Robinson, one of the running backs I was mentioning earlier, uh, he's been back at least going through individual drills. Uh, it seems like uh, on that front they're they're in pretty decent shape, and they're wanting to, at this point, just get through what's left of fall camp and uh, try to make this thing work. And we know the quarterback situation in Georgia. It's one of those things that I know Georgia fans are are anxious about and waiting for a starter to be named. Others around the SEC, including us here in Auburn, are in the exact same situation. You've told us before that it seems to be Carson Beck. Are we? Are we? I guess. What's the timeline on this? Do we have anything on that on when the starter is officially going to be named, and if it is going to be Carson Beck? You know, I'm not expecting Kirby to say anything. Maybe game week he might uh, decide to, to tell us who the quarterback's going to be. But from everything I've seen, everything I've heard, it's going to be Carson Beck. I mean, he came in to fall camp as a clear leader at that position. I think it was going to take uh, him, quite honestly, sort of, um, you know, having a rough string of practices in a row to open the door for someone else to start. And 
simply hasn't happened. You know, I think Carson has uh, performed well, you know, hearing a little bit from their first scrimmage this past Saturday. felt like he kind of started slow, but he did get into a rhythm as that scrimmage went on. So, yeah, I'm of the belief it will be Carson Beck. Uh, I think that there has been competition. They've allowed those guys to try to push him. But uh, from everything I've heard, I think Carson's going to be the guy. And it may be a situation where Kirby doesn't say anything game week and you know, we're watching for the start of that UT Martin game. But I feel pretty confident it will be number 15 for Georgia. And Jordan, you and all the other Georgia media had a chance to talk with Kirby on Saturday. Uh, what did uh, what did he say that uh, was anything different than what he's been saying over the past couple of weeks? And anything, any notes that he gave that uh, uh, maybe caught your ear? Well, I think the biggest thing was you could tell he wanted a lot of fire under his team. You know that he was not happy with how they practiced. To be fair to the Georgia team, uh, you know it was super hot on Saturday. It's been kind of a run of that dealing with the heat and uh, he was not happy about how they got after it he felt like um, sort of the tempo and sort of the energy he was looking for didn't really show up until about two-thirds of the way through practice and uh, you know he you could tell that he was not happy with the effort he saw he said that he told the team at the end of the scrimmage that everything this team has gotten so far they haven't earned you know sort of uh, very much what we heard from him last season when it came to that first team coming off the national championship, you know, he wants these guys to feel hungry. Uh, you know, inherited, not earned was something that was said, uh, even back in spring practice. And, uh, you know, I, I think he wants to fire these guys up. Uh, he wants them to keep working hard. And, uh, you know, I know some fans on the message board, uh, were, were sort of, uh, raising their eyebrows at his comments, but it, it didn't strike me as anything wild, anything, um, out of the ordinary for Kirby, but, uh, my thing, if you are following Georgia, it's if he has a similar reaction after scrimmage, too. You know, you want to see things cleaned up and really taking steps in the right direction, getting ready for the season. Uh, if he is very much uh, in the same mood after scrimmage, too, uh, th- there could be a little bit of reason to uh, to have some concern as they get ready for the season. He writes for Dogs 247. Jordan Hill joining us on the phone lines, joins us every Wednesday at 2.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Jordan, yesterday ESPN released its top 100 players in college football coming in to 2023. The Dogs had six representatives on the list, including uh, the guy at number two who he's pretty good at this whole football thing, Brock Bowers, the tight end, uh, the junior tight end for Georgia. Uh, Just your your opinion on, on the guys that made the list and maybe some that aren't on there right now but could make an appearance if they were to do this at the end of the season i think having that many guys on the top 100 list i mean just speaks to where georgia is right now and it's really no surprise when you consider it uh you know even going back to nashville for sec media gig days you know there were so many georgia players on that all sec team you know georgia the favorite to win it and uh, not being particularly close in that all sec vote um i think it's one of those things that uh, georgia's on par with what we'd seen from alabama in the past uh with uh, you know, when in doubt, go with a Georgia player. I mean, Brock Bowers is a great example. You know, I think, especially early in the season, depending on what he does, I think you're going to hear a lot of buzz about him being a dark horse Heisman candidate. Now, is a tight end going to win the Heisman? I feel like that's pretty unlikely. Um, but uh, he's a guy that people are excited about. We got to talk to uh, wide receiver Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint. He was really talking up Brock last night. Said he calls him Captain America and uh, <laughs> says that he does everything right. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reason to be excited about those guys who made the list. And 
uh, you know that expectations are high for those guys. And uh, before long, we're going to see if they can live up to them. When you look around the SEC East, as we get closer to the start of the season, it's time to, to talk about other teams and what Georgia's going to be seeing this year in the conference. They have a home game versus Kentucky. They do have to play uh, Florida in that neutral site game uh, and then at Tennessee, which uh, including the game at Auburn, but obviously that being in the West. But when you look around the SEC East, Jordan, right now from what you're seeing, what you're hearing from other camps and other fall practices, uh, what what concerns you about the SEC East from a Georgia standpoint and maybe, you know, from basically a threat standpoint to the dogs? I think the biggest one is clearly Tennessee, not only with that game being in Knoxville, but also the fact that that's going to be late in the year. I mean, that's Georgia's final SEC game. You don't know what you're going to be dealing with from a health perspective. You don't know who's going to be out, who's going to be banged up. You know, guys. Uh, by that point in the year, going to have a lot of bumps and bruises going through an SEC schedule. So, to me, that's the biggest one. And, you know, some of the other threats uh, that would be in the East, I think Georgia benefits from having those games at home. I mean, South Carolina is your SEC opener. It's in Athens. And the last couple of years, Georgia has had no trouble putting away the Gamecocks and uh, beat them pretty handily. And then Kentucky, who I, I'm really high on going into this year. I think they have a chance to really push Tennessee for that second spot in the East. But the game that is going to be in Athens as well. So uh, I think Georgia's in pretty good position when you consider who they play out of the East. Um, You do have to look at Florida just because I've seen some weird stuff happen in Jacksonville where you uh, go into that game feeling assured that, hey, this one team's going to win. And you go down there and they actually play and something totally wild happens. But um, I think the way the schedule sets up, Um, Georgia should be in pretty good shape when it comes to the division. The biggest game, like I said, is going to be that game in Knoxville in uh, mid-November. And Jordan, I say it all the time. It's the reason I bring a guy like you on. Auburn fans care about what's happening in Georgia, and Georgia fans care about what's happening in Auburn. What are they saying right now about the momentum Hugh Freeze is building when it comes to the recruiting trail uh, and good notes coming out of practice for wide receivers, defensive backs, and all that? Like, what are what are Georgia fans saying? How are they feeling about what's happening over here on the plains? I think that people have noticed the fact that Auburn has recruited really well. I would say that uh, more people would be probably more up in arms had they landed K.J. Bolton. You know, Auburn and Georgia wind up swinging and missing on the five-star safety. But uh, I think people are paying attention. I think what's going to be big on really getting Georgia fans' attention and seeing uh, you know how much more they consider Auburn a threat is just how they do in year one with Hugh Freeze. You know, I don't think from the Georgia fan perspective they they don't see. Uh, you know, them being a, a true contender in the SEC West. But uh, we know as well as any that it takes one, uh, you know, really strong year one to kind of get things pulling in the right direction. Uh, so I think people, uh, as far as Georgia fans, are going to be paying attention to see what Hugh does this year. And if they're able to pull some upsets and wind up finishing higher in the SEC West than some of us are expecting, uh, I think the Georgia fans will and should recognize that uh, they'll be a threat going forward. Well, Jordan, one of the conversations we've had or that I had yesterday was looking at uh, the preseason top 25 in the AP poll. Auburn not ranked in it. Georgia was the number one overall team in that. Uh, But the question that I posed was, when could we see Auburn become a top 25 team? And if they take care of business early and they happen to go on the road and beat Texas A&M, one would like to think that they would be a top 25 team when Georgia comes to town. And that would be a big atmosphere, a huge opportunity for Auburn if they could try to do something when Georgia comes to the Plains. 
Definitely, yeah. I think that sets up well, especially early in the season when who Auburn plays, uh, that if they win those games, they will be in a good position. And, you know, the thing that I think benefits Hugh Freeze and company is the fact that when you play in the SEC, if you're able to get a little momentum, especially early in the year, you're going to sort of get the benefit of the doubt in these polls. And, you know, especially early in the year, these polls don't mean a whole lot, but, you know, it can help you sort of get attention, get some momentum early. You know, if you go out early in the season and win at Cal, you know, that's not the, the hardest game on anyone's schedule, but that's a nice little, uh, you know, checkpoint and a, a chance to short, sort of show what you're working toward this season. So, yeah, I think it's totally feasible that when you get uh, to the end of September, when you have Georgia coming to town, that you could be a ranked team. Um, but uh, when you get to that game, that's going to be t- uh, quite, a, uh, quite a challenge. And uh, it's going to be uh, something worth watching just to see how Georgia and uh, Auburn handle each other. Our weekly guest on Wednesdays at 2.30, he's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, 2.30 every Wednesday here on On the Line talking all things Georgia football. And we, I mean, we're just so close, Jordan. You can feel it. You can smell it, right? You can see college football. It's right there as we're just a couple of weeks away. So tell everybody where they can find you, all your fantastic work, and how people can keep up with Georgia on Dogs 247. Definitely, dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at dogs247. And yeah, Jacob, the countdown is on. Uh, it's going to be here before you know it and uh, definitely ready to, to uh, close out fall camp and uh, to finally see Georgia play someone other than, than itself uh, once we get to September 2nd. And in just a couple of weeks, we'll start talking the opponents. We'll start talking games, right? We'll actually have games to talk about from the previous week and talk about the team or the opponent coming up for the week ahead. So excited to uh, to do that and have you along the ride all football season long. Jordan, as always, enjoyed it, man, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Appreciate it, Jacob. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Go check him out. As I mentioned, he does a fantastic job uh, with Dogs 24-7 and just dogs247.com. The subscription, if you have one for Auburn, it gets you the one for Georgia as well. So if you're looking to get updated on what's happening, he's the best one, man. I'm telling you, and he does such a good job. He used to be in Auburn, and now he's at Georgia and doing a fantastic job. So nobody better than Jordan Hill, our weekly Wednesday guest at 2.30. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. We've got a few more minutes here on our number one on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he joins us every Wednesday at 2.30, uh, getting you updated and caught up on Georgia football. He will be with us all through football season, all through basketball season. Uh, so excited to to have him a part of the program once again. Uh, we'll talk about what he had to say in just a few minutes, but during the break, I was <laughs> I was scrolling through social media, just, you know, whatever. And I saw a video from Colorado's football practice with Deion Sanders. And it was a running play, and there was a little scuffle going on at the end of the play. And then the team got lit up. They got chewed out by Deion Sanders. But not because they were fighting, but because there were guys that walked away from the fight and his quote was, if, one's fight, if one fights, we all fight. And I just thought it was really interesting. It's, 
He was mad, and I get the, I get where he's coming from, right? Back up your teammate type of thing, right? Don't leave him out hanging. Don't leave him out to dry. I get it, but are we really arguing for more players to be involved in a scuffle, argument, fight on the field? I don't know. Wasn't even the worst thing in the video. Colorado, I forgot they did this, and I think UCF did this too at one point. I think they did a little bit different. Anyway, UCF at practice, or uh, Colorado at practice, excuse me. In that video, on the back of their jerseys, you obviously have the number, and where their name is supposed to be, it's their social media handles. It would say at, and then whatever their social media handle was. Whether that's Twitter, Instagram, I don't know. To be honest, I don't care. I just think it's dumb. (laughs) I just think it's stupid. Like, what good does that do anybody? Why does your coach need to know and be looking at your social media handle? Why do the rest of your teammates need to be looking at your social media handle? If they want to follow you, they'll find you. I mean, I guess for a clip like this, for somebody who's just scrolling through Twitter to see it and be like, oh, wow, that's a cool Twitter handle. Let me go search that and follow him. I don't know. I just thought it was really, I thought it was so dumb and so odd that I had to share that with you. And so that, that's what happened to me during the break. I saw that and I'm like, you've got Colorado breaking out in a fight. You've got Deion Sanders mad at the players who weren't involved in the fight. And on top of it, they've all got social media names on the back of their jerseys. What's going on in Colorado? I don't know. People think they're going to have a good season. I think they're in for a rude awakening. We'll talk a lot of Auburn football coming up in hour number two. Plus, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us to give us updates on Alabama. They had a press conference with Nick Saban yesterday, so we'll get his thoughts on that. And, uh, yeah, lots more to go here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Don't turn that radio dial. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of the first hour, had a lot of fun talking uh, Auburn football with practice yesterday as there seems to be a little separation in the quarterback room and uh, talked a lot about that and some of the other positions uh, that were noteworthy from practice yesterday yesterday. 
uh, talked some about the uh, top 100 player list in college football for 2023. I want to talk some more about that coming up a little bit here in hour number two. Plus, I uh, talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, uh, getting us updated on the Georgia Bulldogs and what Kirby Smart had to say on Saturday when they had a chance to talk to him and what Jordan has seen uh, in the uh, few practice windows they've gotten a chance to be a part of. So if you missed any of that from the first hour, be sure to go uh, and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast i upload it commercial free right after the show so be sure you go and check that out sometime today tomorrow whenever you'd like but we're going to start hour number two by getting to the phone lines i'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 and tie the tiger on the line to start off hour number two it's great to hear from you man how are you Man, doing good, doing good. How how you been, man? Been good, man. Staying busy. Uh, high school football gets going tomorrow. Lee Scott Academy with their first game against Chambers. You know, I call for them. So uh, getting ready for that tomorrow night uh, over at Lee Scott and Auburn High next week. And then Auburn University the week after that, brother. So it's a busy time around here. That's awesome, man. Yeah, golly, it's already starting. I mean, actual, you know, meaningful football. Yep. Um, I mean, it, 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 it just almost makes your uh, your skin tingle, man. Hey, uh, real quick, who's your first? If you got the first pick in your fantasy draft and you're and you pick number one overall, who is your player? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not I'm not somebody that takes a quarterback first round. You can't you know can't do that. Got to wait a little bit on that. You got to get somebody. Uh, you know, you got to go after a running back or a receiver. Man, that's a I, I'm a big Jamar Chase guy. I think he's he's legit. Um, I, or even like Justin Jefferson, right? I think he even though he plays for the rival team, but I really like him as well. So uh, I'm a big receiver guy when it comes to fantasy. So that would probably be where I would go. I got you. You you play in a bunch of PPR leagues. Um. Yeah, it, it just depends, really. Honestly, I don't have time to organize it and manage it, so I pretty much play in the ones that my buddies invite me to, and I, I play in the one, the same ones every year, but I play in some of those and then some of the normals, you know, just, just straight up. So it, it just kind of depends. I got you. I'm in uh, six leagues. I'm the commission on uh, four of them. So wow. Yeah, I, I wish I could be. I, I just – I just don't have the time to to be a true manager of it, and 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 honestly, I don't I don't think I'm smart enough to do all of that. So um, I just I just like to play and and you know play with a little you know have a little something on it and a little punishment or whatever and, and have something to win. So no, it, it's a lot of fun, man. I do I do enjoy fantasy football. Well, I've got one league, man. We've been playing for ten years. It's, it's some of the uh, six out of the twelve people are still from my old work, so it's pretty cool, man. Oh we, wow! We still, you know, yeah. But anyway, hey, man. Uh, so, just want to talk about preseason polls, man. What a bunch of crock, dude. I mean, dude. Okay, first of all, let's talk about the one hundred, which that to me is such the most bogus, you know, preseason poll because you've got players that are not only switching teams. They're switching conferences, divisions. I mean, you know, I get like, like, okay, and I, I forgot what number he was, but like Travis Hunter, you know that kid's going to be special. He was he was a five star coming out of high school and played at Jackson Jackson uh, Jacksonville State last year, and he's he supposedly he's wanting to be the you know two two way uh, mm-hmm. best two way player you know in the league, but at the same time, I mean. How many times have we seen five stars, you know, at a small school dominate 
And then when they play some competition in a bowl game, some actual, I mean, you know, a three and four star that's been coached well, you know, come up short and stuff like that. I want to see him against some real competition and some real talent. So I, I hate college preseason polls because you really don't know what you're going to get except for with a couple people. You know what I mean? Like Brock Bowers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we know we know what Brock, I mean, Brock Bowers is going to look like. Bronk out there this year, <laughs> run people over. Yeah, you better believe and, it. And I mean, I mean, we know that. I mean, we know that. But uh, you know, and, and 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 the reason why I say that is because if you watched Auburn at all last year, you would have thought Jacquez Hunter was a better running back than Tank. Jacquez, to me, had uh, you know just a. I mean, you know, to me, he looked like he catched ball in the backfield better. I mean, I, I Tank did his you know thing, man, but. At times, Jacquez looked better than Tank. Yeah. So I don't, you know, and I'm I'm with you on that, and that's why it just frustrates. It's just dumb. Yeah, it, it and is, it, and that's the thing that I that I was arguing is like, you know, it, it's just you can't convince me that Jarquez Hunter is not a top 100 player in college football. You can't convince me that DJ James is not a top 100 player in college football. And again, it all comes back to this time. It all comes back to the fact that everybody around the country has a bad taste in their mouth about Auburn. They have a bad perception about Auburn and what's going on down here. And while Hugh Freeze is making noise and starting to turn a few heads, they're not getting the respect that they deserve yet. And a lot of these players haven't or not getting that respect, but they're going to earn it on the field this fall. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Um and, and, you know, you look at the AP poll with teams like Kansas and Louisville, even the Smurfield got more votes than us on the AP poll. Mm-hmm. In which, like you said, bad taste in their mouth. But, you know, if you know football, you know Auburn's going to be better than last year and better some of them teams. And, again, maybe we're looking at it through the orange and blue sunglasses, and that's fine. That's what we, that's what we are as fans. But, I mean, just being a realist about football, this is a totally different team. Um, totally different. Talent from head to toe. Coaching. Coaching is going to be different. Yeah. I, I, that's my biggest thing is I can't wait to see what Hugh Freeze does in this offense. You know, I, I didn't think the cupboard was bare when he took over. I thought it was getting that way. I didn't think the cupboard was bare when, when Harson um, – you know, was getting, you know, took over. I saw Guess, guess Miles on. We need offensive linemen. We still need offensive linemen. And I think we got a couple. Yeah. You know, but, uh, I mean, it wasn't like, again, you know, you had Bo Nix, you had Tank. I mean, you know, Harson didn't tank over with, you know, just this, just this, you know, sorry team that with no talent. And so, like you said, I mean, I still, I still think we got some talent. We're going to be all right. A hundred percent. The team, the, there's talent on this team. And, and look, again, when it comes to, when it comes to a preseason poll like this, Auburn was not going to be in it anywhere. I mean, they, they received a few votes, but they were not going to be anywhere near it. But, and I don't know if you were able to catch the show yesterday, Ty, we were talking about when could Auburn make an appearance in the top 25? And I said after week four when they go on the road and beat Texas A&M because I think this team is talented enough to do that. And I think they'll be a top 25 squad when Georgia comes to town. Yeah, I think you're 100% correct. Um, and of course, just depending on who, who loses in front of us? But yeah, yeah. I think we, I think week four we walk into College Station and put some numbers on the board. Um, it, it'll be you know people will start talking about Auburn and what Hugh Freeze is doing. Um, 
But I mean, hey, like like Teron Reese said, we we ain't done, right? That's we right. That's right. So so man, I'm excited. We're three weeks away, man. War damn eagle. Yep, great great to hear from you, Ty. Always a great time talking with you and catching up about Auburn football. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Phone lines are open here as we start hour number two. Would love to hear from anyone else wanting to chime in uh, on anything on your mind in the sports world or Auburn football related. Give me a call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And he's referring to the ESPN top 100 player list that they re- released yesterday uh, and then the AP poll the preseason AP poll that came out on Monday I believe uh, and, and look I've talked about it and it's still true Auburn doesn't have the respect of anybody they don't they don't have the respect of anybody and you know what they haven't done anything to earn respect from anybody they went through a horrible time period. They hired a terrible coach who did a terrible job. They went 5-7 and seven last year. They let Penn State come in here and embarrass themselves. Or they let Penn State come in here and embarrass you on your home field, in your home stadium, with one of the best atmospheres, the best buildups to a college football game in my Auburn fandom history, in my, in my lifetime as an Auburn fan. That is one of the biggest buildups and hype I've ever felt around an Auburn game when Penn State came to town. It was revenge, right? It was a revenge game for the year before when you should have won that game too. And then they come in here and do what they did, and it was over by the first quarter, right? Auburn has not done anything to earn the respect of those outside of Auburn. And that's okay. That's okay. Because Hugh Freeze is turning that around. You're seeing it right now on the recruiting trail. They're starting to earn some respect in recruiting. You better believe that. You absolutely better believe that. Because Auburn's going and taking five stars from Alabama and Georgia. And they're getting transfers from Ohio State. And they're picking up guys that they had no chance with. And they're doing it with two or three weeks. Where some of these schools have been recruiting these guys for two or three years. So when it comes to recruiting, and we talked to Jordan about this in the first hour, they're starting to turn a few heads. Starting to turn some heads because when you start landing five-star wide receivers like Perry Thompson, when you start flipping guys from Georgia and Alabama, not just those schools notice that. Other programs in the conference notice that. Other programs in the country notice that. And the biggest writers, reporters, whoever around college football are taking notice but Auburn hasn't done anything on the field yet in the past five years to to have the respect of those around college football they just haven't the end of the the Malzahn era was bad the Harson era was really bad and we haven't seen the Hugh Freeze era on the field just yet but you know listening to this show how confident I am you're going to see some momentum. You're going to see some respect. You're going to see the oh, I will let me say this. The only thing that Auburn has done on the field to earn any respect or any get any attention for college from college football is when Cadillac took over. When Cadillac took over, everybody knew it. Everybody across the country took notice and could hear that and could see that. So I I will stand corrected on what I was saying. That's the only thing they've done. But Cadillac's not the coach, right? He's he's 
he's still obviously still on staff and coaching the running backs and all that. But this is a new era. And until Auburn gets on the field and beats somebody they're not supposed to, which I think is going to be Texas A&M in week four, Auburn's not going to be favored in that game. There's a good chance Auburn could be a double-digit underdog in that game. That's the time you earn the respect. That's the time you make some noise and make them put you in a top 25. Then you start talking about the players who were left off of a top 100 list of players in college football for 2023. Jarquez Hunter will earn that this year. DJ James will earn that this year. I think you're going to see other guys earn it this year as well on both sides of the ball. Auburn has talent. I keep telling you that, and it's such a basic statement, but I mean it. Because people outside of Auburn don't know that. And you know what? At this point, let them believe it. right? Let them believe that Auburn doesn't have any talent. Let them believe that there's nothing good going on down here. Because they're going to be surprised. They're going to be surprised in 2023. They're going to continue to be surprised when Auburn keeps picking up big recruits. Because as Ty said, they're not done. I promise, Auburn's not done getting big-time recruits in 2024. They're not. They're just now getting started in 2025 because that window just opened up on August 1st for coaches to be able to reach out and talk to kids. And Hugh Freeze has done it. He called the best quarterback in the country at 5 a.m. on August 1st. So Auburn has to earn that respect back from those around the game of college football. And they're doing it off the field so far. But you got to get on the field and do it, and I think they will. Ty, I appreciate the call, man. Always great to, to hear from you. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I uh, want to talk again, practice from yesterday. If you missed uh, me talking about that in the first hour, I want to get some notes in about that, talk about what seems to be some separation at the quarterback spot. I uh, want to uh, give my thoughts on that. Would love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. We'll talk some Auburn fall practice before Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us coming up at 3.30 to update us from Tuscaloosa. All that coming up here on the Wednesday. Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We've got a few more minutes before Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us on the phone lines. He'll be calling in at 3.30, so be sure you are stay tuned uh, for that when he calls in talking about Alabama. We'll get some updates from uh, fall practice from Tuscaloosa. Maybe maybe some more updates on the quarterback battle over there because it uh, seems like it changes just about every day uh, with what's going on in the quarterback room in Tuscaloosa. And look, I'm going to be honest. I saw a video the other day of the Alabama quarterbacks outside that I guess Alabama had released. And it was subpar, to say the least. And it was all three quarterbacks. It was all three of them. It was Simpson, Milrow, and Buckner. And all three of them just looked eh. So I don't know. Now, I don't know what's going on over there. I don't know if that's uh, that was a tactic for them to release that video for people like us to be like, look how bad it is at Alabama, but maybe it's going better than what we think. 
I don't know. Uh, interested to talk to Austin about it, though, and get his thoughts and see what he has to say. Because if you know Austin, he'll tell you. He'll tell you like it is. Right? He fits, he fits in with this show perfectly. He will tell you exactly what he thinks. So excited to have him on the phones in just a few minutes. Um, when it comes to the quarterback battle happening here, though, in Auburn, um, there is some interesting storylines going on based off of what we saw at practice yesterday. Seems like, and this is the word that's been used commonly around um, around Auburn media the last, I don't know, 18 hours or whatever, seems like there is some separation, maybe some division in the quarterback room for the first time that we've been able to physically see with our own two eyes. Practice yesterday, it was late afternoon, you had Holden Gurner off to off to the side working on his own with third team offense and you had a combination of Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford taking different rotations with ones and twos this is the first time that that we have really seen that in practice and this is significant because of the notes we got from the scrimmage on Saturday and you heard Daryl Dappert talk about yesterday on my show uh, when he came on and he was saying look You've got to take what they tell you with a grain of salt because are they going to hype it up and, and did the other quarterbacks have that good of a day or are they just are they you know are they just pulling your leg or just trying to hype it up to make it sound better and did Peyton Thorne really have that bad of a day or did he just have a couple of drops which we've already heard that's the case right had a couple of drops and a couple balls that were ruled incomplete so Take what you hear from what happened at a scrimmage that was a closed scrimmage, by the way. Daryl's right. Take that with a grain of salt. But what we can tell you from what happened in practice yesterday is the separation at the quarterback spot. This is right around the time that Hugh Freeze wanted to have his quarterback race narrowed down from three to two. And no, he has not said that, that it has been narrowed down. But it seems to be the case that it's Peyton, It's down to Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. That's no surprise to us, right? To, to you, to me, to anybody that has listened or covered this team under Hugh Freeze and knows what the quarterback situation is, this is not a surprise. But it is a step. It's the next step in the process. We're 17 days away. you got to start figuring out who's going to be QB1. You've got a scrimmage coming up again this Saturday. And then from there on, it's regular football practice. No practice today. You've got classes starting at the university. But after the scrimmage on Saturday, this coming Saturday, you better know. Like, you better have a pretty good idea of who your starter is going to be, in my opinion. I think it's important for that to happen. After this Saturday, I think it's important for that to happen, for Hugh Freeze and this staff, Philip Montgomery and everybody on the offense, to know or have a pretty good idea on who's going to be QB1. And it sounded like, from what Hugh Freeze said last Saturday, that had already happened. And then his mind got changed and he had to reassess. But I think this is a very important week. I've talked about that. And I think you will, we're going to know. We're going to know after this scrimmage on Saturday. I just have a feeling. I have a feeling that Peyton Thorne, his scrimmage this past weekend wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. And I think he's going to have a really good scrimmage on Saturday. I don't know anything. I have no idea. 
but that's just my thought. That's my opinion. That's my feeling, right? I think a guy like him, after a subpar performance, we can put it at that if you want. Um, I think after a subpar performance this past weekend, he knows he has to step it up because I think Robbie Ashford has gotten better. I think he's gotten better, and I think he's pushing for this starting job. I know he's pushing for the starting job, or else he wouldn't be there, right? This job is built for Peyton Thorne. It is. It's built for him. But he's going to have to earn it. And that was a big conversation yesterday that we had with a few callers was, you don't want Hugh Freeze just to pick Peyton Thorne because it seems to be the right decision. It would make the most sense, right? You don't want him to pick him for those reasons. You want him to pick the quarterback that has earned it and gives you the best chance to win football games in 17 days. That's who you want Hugh Freeze to pick as the starting quarterback. And so whether you think it's going to be Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, or even Holden Gurner, at the end of the day, and Daryl talked about this too, who cares? As long as, as long as the guy that they pick gives Auburn the best chance to win, then it's going to be fine. And I think what Auburn fans should, should realize at this point in the very short journey that we've been on with Hugh Freeze, the guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So trust in him. Trust in him. Let him do his thing. And when he names a starting quarterback, we'll talk about it. But I think it is, it's, it's exciting to know that there is competition there. And I've, I've had that conversation with you before. It's a good thing that Auburn has competition there. And it's a good thing that whoever is the second quarterback, the backup, sounds like they're at least going to be eligible and be good enough to compete if something were to happen to the starter. So that should excite you as well. Auburn has depth at the quarterback spot too? What's happening around here? Auburn's got depth in all kinds of positions. It's a different time for Auburn football. When we come back, we'll talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central. I believe he's on the road, so we'll be hearing from him from his car. But we'll talk to him about Alabama, what Nick Saban has to say, and who in the world is going to play starting quarterback in Tuscaloosa this fall. That's coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. The back half of hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, and our weekly guest on Wednesday afternoons at 3.30. It's Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines from his car on the road, I believe. Is that right, Austin? That's right. Uh, me and a fellow Bama Central intern, Will Miller, are headed over to Atlanta for the Braves game tonight. So, um, as a Sox fan, I'm going in hoping that the Yankees lose. That, that's my main goal there. Oh, I always forget you're a Red Sox fan, too. So am I, man. I love that. And, yes, every any time that the, the Yankees lose and the Braves can win at the same time, Braves are my second team. I'm a Red Sox fan through and through, have been since I was four years old. But any time that the Yankees lose and the Braves can win on top of it, yeah, what a, what a special day. So that's going to be fun, huh, heading to Atlanta. 
Yeah, so I saw a stat last night. Um, Yankees are 60 and 60, obviously, and I think if they lose tonight, or maybe it already is the case, um, this point in the season, this is the worst that they've been since 1995. So uh, quite a poor season for Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman, and all the people that are up there in the Bronx cheering them on. Ah, yes. Music to my ears. I love the Yankees when they're bad. And not that the Red Sox are great, but what a tough division is the American League East, huh? I mean, it's it's unbelievable the fact that all of the teams are at or above 500, and yet the Sox are still 10 and a half games back from the Baltimore Orioles who decided they wanted to be good this year. Yeah, I mean, you think back a few years ago, it was Red Sox-Yankees, and then it was kind of there for a couple, a, a spell there was Tampa Bay's division, and now it looks like we're changing the guard over to Baltimore, who just a couple years ago were was easily one of the worst programs, franchises in the sport. Uh, they did the tank thing, and it worked out. And another stat for you I saw on Twitter yesterday, I think since they pulled up Allie Rushman last year, uh, they have not been swept one time. Uh, so that spans over a year. Just crazy what they're doing over there in Baltimore. And, you know, they're in a great spot to get that one seed at the moment. Well, it just it doesn't seem right when the Baltimore Orioles are good. It just I don't know. It just it's not supposed to be that way. But credit to them, uh, they're good. Well, look, have a good time uh, in Atlanta. Charlie Morton going tonight for the Braves, I believe, uh, against the Yankees tonight, yeah, looking yeah. to get that series win. Yeah, I mean, every time it seems like I go to Atlanta, it's usually when the Red Sox are in town, and I think I've seen Charlie Morton three years in a row. Uh, so we're we're keeping that trend going, and I'm seeing Chuck Nasty again tonight on the mound. There you go. Well, hey, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, as much as I do love talking baseball, I do like talking Alabama with you since you are a representative of Bama Central. So we'll get into talking about Alabama fall practice continuing to roll on. Uh, you had a chance to uh, be a part of a press conference with Nick Saban yesterday. Uh, what can you tell us that he had to say in that? Not earth shattering, but he, he wasn't in a good mood again. Uh, it's been kind of that way for a couple of weeks now. He just seems that he's disappointed in something. Um, whether it's the mentality of the players, whether it's dropping balls, um, whether it's the guys that maybe aren't going to start and they're maybe showing a little bit of immaturity and not going as hard in practice. Um, and it, it understand it's hot. Um, I think he understands that. He's made a point to that, that I know it's hard. You know, obviously it's, it's 107 in the heat index in Alabama. You're playing out there in the afternoon in full pads now. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, to, to be an Alabama football player, be an SEC football player, you kind of have to have the mindset to get past that and, and focus on what you're trying to do. So um, it's still it's still fall camp, so there's time, uh, but there's not that much time. Jacob. I mean, we're, we're rolling down to it. We're 17 days away from Alabama and Auburn playing, but you know, much less than that from the rest of culture ball getting going next weekend, actually. Yeah, and so Austin, I I think I want to ask you. You know, it doesn't seem like those have been problems in the past with a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. It's what's made him so successful, and what's made Alabama such a juggernaut in college football is all of those little things that Nick Saban has been so good at just coaching out of kids and not letting them have you know discipline issues or having you know uh, weaknesses or whatever you want to call it right it just seems like those haven't been issues for Nick Saban in all of his years over there and that's what's led him to so many national championships yeah it's you know I think it's an excuse that some people maybe overuse sometimes but I think you know quote-unquote those kids of this generation and all that and um, you know, college football is obviously a lot different than it was when I was growing up, and yeah. there wasn't all this money involved, and there wasn't um, there wasn't always even you know five stars and all these giant recruiting websites and you know kids that maybe feel like they're entitled to something before they get on campus and stuff like that. And you know, everything 
is kind of involved in that. I think it's different. Um, so, and he acknowledged that. I mean, co- coaching the sport's a lot different now. So, um, the way you're able to handle players, the way you're able to treat people, and you know, everything's online now, and you know, everybody's emotions seem to come out um, on the internet if, if something's going wrong or if somebody's benched and they're not happy about it. I mean, there's so many different you know variables in, in college football these days that. It's not as easy maybe as it used to be to keep your roster um, where you like it and everybody happy and everything like that, especially when you've got a quarterback battle going on. And for Alabama this year, a lot of position battles. So there's a lot of people that, you know, have their feelings involved. Am I going to start this year or am I going to be on the bench? Am I going to hit the transfer portal? So it's a lot harder to control, you know, a lot of different aspects of the game. And I think that that's just maybe a result of that. Well, well, think about this too, Austin. The fact that yeah, you're you're talking about this, you know, the the younger generation and how it, it's a lot different than what it was ten or fifteen years ago. And when the players are still eighteen, nineteen years old, Nick Saban continues to get older, right? And so that separation of of the age gap and the in the understanding of each other, I mean, that just continues to grow as well. So I think that plays a lot into it. Yeah, I think what one thing that helps him a lot. Um, you mentioned him getting older, and you know, maybe. There's, there's been different reporters, whether local, national, that have tried to maybe say is he losing his touch in recruiting, which obviously the results are not showing that. You know, Alabama had the number one class last year, uh, and they have the chance to do it again this year. And I think the thing that helps them is his success at getting players to the NFL. I mean, it doesn't matter how old the man is. It doesn't matter if you can relate to him. If he has a you know track record, a proven track record of getting you to where you want to be in your professional career – and that program has won all these national championships. You want to play there. So um, I also think the players really enjoy being around Nick Saban. He's got a lot of stories to tell, I'm sure. And he's been around some special people for over the last 20, 30 years at Alabama um, and beyond that. So um, I think his recruiting trail is just as good as it always, has, it always has been. I just think it's maybe there's a thing where the people around him, the other scouts that are within the program, uh, you know, it's harder to find talent sometimes these days. So, um, he's still doing a great job at it, and he's still kicking it, even at 70, 71 years old. We're joined by Austin Hannon of Bama Central on the phone lines. He joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Uh, the, the big storyline for Alabama has been all fall. It, it was in the spring, and it's continued into the fall as we're 17 days away from Alabama's season opener. The quarterback's battle, right? The quarterback spot, who's going to play, who's going to be QB1. Could we, We've had this conversation in the past, you and I have, Austin, where maybe somebody starts game one and that person doesn't start game two against Texas or, or there's just so many different possibilities, but uh, in your in your latest article and from uh, the press conference yesterday, uh, Nick Saban gave the quote he about the quarterbacks. He said, "Force me to play you." What do you think? He, I mean, what what's the message behind that, and what's the status of this quarterback battle? Uh, well, it, it's Nick Saban, so anything he says in a media availability like that is almost always somewhat directed at the players um, involved. So. This makes me think that maybe there's been some stuff in practice going on where he feels like each or, you know, one or two or three or whatever amount of these quarterbacks is maybe is worried about what's going on around them and not necessarily just their own performance. So um, he said, you know, don't be looking over your shoulder about what other guys are doing. Don't be looking at coaches to see if they're seeing what, you know, you did or didn't do. Just go out there, do what you're supposed to do, run the offense. Um, and, and everything will take care of itself, you know, make, like, like you said, force him to play you. Like, don't leave any doubt that you're the best quarterback in that room when September 2nd rolls around or even on September 2nd when you take the field and put the jersey on for the first time. 
go out there and, and do what you do. Uh, don't worry about what, you know, if, if you're Jalen Milrow, don't worry about what Tyson's doing. Don't worry about what Tyler Buckner's doing. Worry about yourself um, and what you can do to get better every day. I think that's what he's saying, and I think that that message was absolutely directed towards the quarterbacks um, because he, him telling us that doesn't, you know, that has no impact on us. We don't, we don't you know, we're not really – taking his message and, and putting it to our heart like the quarterbacks are. So um, I, I think that it, it's all – and everybody knows that. I mean, Saban's always done that in his media stuff where um, if, if he really wants his team and or, you know, specific players to pay attention, he'll say something and they'll more than likely see it on social media um, at some point later that day and maybe they'll read it, maybe they'll watch it, and, um, you know, they'll understand that maybe that message was pointed towards them. For Alabama fans, the fact that there is no starter quarter, starting quarterback named yet, um, you, you, I feel like you can look at this in a couple of different ways. A, that there's quarterback competition, right, and that Nick Saban is struggling to pick the best one because there is legit competition and all three are competing for that starting job. Or maybe on the flip side of, well, maybe he hasn't picked a starter yet because none of them have taken that next step and haven't earned that starting job, which seems to be more likely in, in what seems to be happening versus the latter. How do Alabama fans feel about it? Yeah, I think it's absolutely the second one. You know, there's been a lot of rumblings about, um, and, you know, there, there's this little tiny relationship between the media and, and then the, you know, the fans that have a little bit more access at times, if you will, uh, the donors and the boosters, and they see practice sometimes and know what's going on. And there has been this feeling that, you know, maybe this was a thing where, whether you're Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, he, somebody wanted somebody to go out there and, and take the job, and, and that just hasn't happened yet. I don't think there's been enough separation either way. Um, you know, whether that's good or bad, like you mentioned, I mean, it could be good competition, um, and maybe it's just becoming that hard for them to pick one because they're all kind of competing and, and you know, performing the same way. So um, I think it could go both ways. I definitely think that they want to have this resolved by – you know, the first or second quarter of that Texas game, uh, if not any earlier than that, because that's going to be a game, and we've talked about it on the show a lot, that that's going to be a game that whether where it doesn't necessarily matter in the SEC standings, um, you know, it's still a 14 playoff this year, and that, that loss would, a loss in that game, or, you know, if that contributed by bad quarterback play, could set you back early in the season. I mean, it's week two, and you've already got a loss on the board. So um, they want to get this thing figured out. I just don't know if they've, had somebody that's really gone in there and really taken um, the job from anybody else. Speaking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Wednesday here on the show. Uh, Austin, yesterday ESPN released their top 100 players in college football for 2023. Uh, that was highlighted for Alabama uh, by Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, who was ranked 12th on there. We all know just how uh, how skilled and exciting of a player uh, he is uh, at his position. And then Alabama, of course, has guys sprinkled all the way through there. Uh, what's it mean for, uh, for this squad to have that much talent talent once again and be well represented in the top 100 i think the funniest part of what you said is the top player on there is the number 12 player in the country right i mean i don't think you can really expect that from alabama over the last five six years that they wouldn't have a player in the top 10 but we've talked about that as well on this show like there's not really a headliner name on the roster this year you know kool-aid mcindustry is probably the number one guy with dallas turner you know right behind him but that's you know, for Alabama standards, that's not really – that's not great, uh, but I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing. We've also talked about that. I mean, you don't have to have the star power to win national championships, and if you do have it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be that great. Um, 
I would like to see what the rankings were last year where they had Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. Surprisingly, probably one and two, if not one and three, somewhere like that. And that resulted in a two-loss season. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you know they're going to be this good or that good. Um, I think Cooley McKinstry is going to have a great year. I think he's, if not the best, one of the best cornerbacks in the country. And um, he averaged near 16, 17 yards of punt return last year, too. So um, he can do a lot of different things for the team. And um, I think he's really grown into a leadership role as well where – you know, he's, he, he got playing time as a freshman. Um, he started at the number one cornerback spot in the National Championship two years ago. A couple other guys. So um, he's kind of been around so long now that he can become uh, – he's going to be a first-round draft pick soon. And the same goes for Dallas Turner on the, on the defensive line, um, a guy that, you know, sat back and watched Will Anderson the last two, three years where, where, while also having success. But now he gets to be the, the veteran guy in the group that gets to lead the defense. Austin, one more before I let you go as you're uh, on the road heading to Atlanta. How big and how important is it, do you think, for this Alabama team, the fact that there are so many question marks and it seems like still some frustrations with Nick Saban, with some guys and some position groups on this team. Austin, how, how important is it and how crucial is it the fact that Alabama gets to open up with Middle Tennessee before they welcome Texas to Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I was just thinking about that a little while ago um, while driving was – Remember those days when it seemed like every year Alabama played, you know, a, a neutral site opening game against the Power Five program that yeah. was usually pretty good. And, I mean, imagine if that had been the case this year. We, we would be talking about, you know, if that Texas game was Week One, that 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 would give, you know, that would take away a lot of confidence, I think, from a lot of Alabama fans if it was Week One. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, obviously, not a pushover. And as a Nashville kid, I'm not going to hate on on the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders, but. It's definitely helpful that that's your first game because you got a lot of things you kind of need to sort out, not just the quarterback, but a lot of different positions where maybe you can't really get a feel who the best players are during fall camp, but you're going to know when you're on the, when you're on the grass playing against another team and you're hitting and you know, people are, you're making plays and you're going to figure out who your best players are once, once football starts getting played. So um, I think it means a lot that you're going to come out as probably a 40 point favorite in your first game. And you'll get to try some things, feel some things out. Uh, you'll get to, you know, split the reps at a bunch of different positions and, and not hurt yourself by doing it. You know, you're not going to lose to Middle Tennessee State regardless of what players are in the game. I and mean, you can put in your walk-ons almost probably and win the game. So you're going to get to see a lot of players. Um, you're going to get to see who performs well, you know, on the big stage. And after that, you know, that that's one trial run. That's all you get. You get the Longhorns coming to town the next week. So um, they gotta, they're going to have to figure out in that first game. And, you know, there's still probably going to be a little bit of feeling out process in the first half of that second game. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 on his way to Atlanta to watch the Braves take on the Yankees. Man, we appreciate you and your time and doing it on the road. And, uh, uh, again, have a great time tonight. Let everybody know where they can find you, all your coworkers, and everybody on Bama Central. Yep, BamaCentral.com is, is your, you know, your, source, your sports illustrated source for all things Alabama Crimson Tide. That's what we say. Um, so articles, stories, news, everything you want's there. And then on the Twitter X platform, you're going to want to follow me at AustinHand underscore um, and keep up with everything going on there. I, I don't I don't talk much about Auburn. I like to keep my focus on what I'm trying to do um, covering the Crimson Tide. But uh, if you're interested in the other side, yeah, definitely check it out. 
Oh, that's why I always say, man, and again, that's why I bring uh, bring you on here. Auburn fans care about what's happening in Alabama, and Alabama fans care about what's happening in Auburn. So, man, I always appreciate you. Always a great time talking. Hey, bring home a win for the Braves, but more importantly, bring home a loss for the Yankees tonight, all right? I'll try my best. I'll try my best. Appreciate it, Jacob. Yeah, appreciate it. That's Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phones, as he does every Wednesday from Bama Central. Go check it out. Uh, go find all of his all of his written work, all of his coworkers' written work as well. They do a fantastic job over there. So if you're looking for uh, Alabama content, trying to keep up with what's going on on the other side, go to BamaCentral.com. We'll come back and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I appreciate Austin Hannon of Bama Central uh, talking to us a little bit about Alabama football as they are 17 days away from their season opener versus Middle Tennessee. Uh, Trouble in paradise maybe for Nick Saban and Alabama over in Tuscaloosa with uh, just sounds like some frustrations I think for Nick Saban and whether that is him being a college football coach in his older age, uh, whether it's just the group of guys that he has, maybe it's a disconnect from the younger generation. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But just from what you can hear Austin talk about and what the videos and the clips you hear and see of Nick Saban, I think Austin's spot on on how just seems like there's some frustrations right now with, with Alabama and Nick Saban. So uh, they're very fortunate to be playing Middle Tennessee in week one and not playing Texas in week one where they've played big time programs uh, and non-conference games to open up the season they're very fortunate that texas isn't coming to town week one because i'll be honest i think texas might win that game in week one if they're playing it and look they may win it in week two so uh, excited for that game but thank you to austin hannon also to jordan hill of dogs 247 who joined us back in the first hour getting us updated on the georgia bulldogs as well so you know how it is on wednesdays we're talking all things about auburn's rivals here on the show and so if you missed any of those phone calls plus any other parts of the show today be sure to go and catch up with the podcast espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast i'll upload it commercial free right after the show today so be sure you go and find that tomorrow really really excited we'll have a new guest on the show he'll be a weekly guest throughout the high school football season keep that in mind plus chris gordy host of locked on sec joins us to get us caught up around the entire conference in fall camp fall practice and what uh, position battles are happening in the southeastern conference but until then, 2-4 to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.